Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. about that opening just seems like it's all full of hope and potential which is exactly what filmically perfect is a lot of hope and potential going into this show every day and another of the episodes of the ongoing series of what we call perfect movies hi i'm nikki dakota your host joined in the studio by the film guys live and in person and we're is... here to tell you there's no greater burden than potential <laughs> I know. that's what they it's, say to us all the time and certainly you are nothing but that j todd anderson storyboard artist to the coen brothers for 20 years and counting, and uh, also our buddy and one of the film guys, J. Todd, welcome. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And live in the studio as well, and uh, just in through a storm, a high water, and all manner of things that would try to prevent him from arriving here, but indeed, he is live in the studio. He is our man at the Library of Congress, the Nitrate Film Archivist, and our pal, George Willem. And George, welcome. And that music just makes me want to go out and pee on a lemon tree. <laughs> This music is from which movie, gentlemen? Which movie are we coming together to commune in today? A, a little sort of overlooked gem from a couple years ago called The World's Fastest Indian. Absolute masterpiece. Starring? Sir Anthony Hopkins. In a lovely role. He really is just completely charming and engaging in this I'm movie. I'm telling you, this is, uh, this is just one of the best movies. In fact, I think it's our latest Offering on our list. I think it is. Most I think recent. it's our most recent film. Yeah. You say 2005 on 2005, this one. 2005, yes. Yeah. And uh, it Not is. Not a lot of racket made about it, and I don't understand that because it is so deftly made. It's so well done, and it's just. Everything about it is just great. Until you brought it to my attention, I didn't even know this film exists, which is surprising given that it's Anthony Hopkins. I mean, mm -hmm. you would think that that would have made more of a blur. But uh, before we go any further, let's uh, do remind ourselves that it is uh, through very stringent and strict processes and tests that these films must pass. And in fact, there are very stringent and uh, tried and true rules. And gentlemen, those rules are... Hey, a perfect movie creates the world it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment value. And a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential or numerical order. Each film is perfect by its own scale. Certainly in that is this one. And if you could, George Willeman, give us a little uh, little synopsis of the action in this gorgeous and lovely film. Well, this wonderful little movie is actually based on a real person, a, a true story about a, a New Zealander uh, named Bert Monroe, who had purchased brand new, actually, a, a 1920 Indian Scout motorcycle and proceeded for a good portion of his later life to try and make it go faster and faster. And he did all his own stuff. He built all his own little wickety gadgets out in his garage. And just, <laughs> I mean, in the film, it sh you see him casting his own... Uh, pistons and and later on he gets in trouble because you know the, his his bike is cobbled together with wire and stuff and they're not going to let him race. But basically, he his dream was to go to the Bonneville Salt Flats uh, out in Nevada, Utah, 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 and and race this motorcycle. And so the film is basically how he does this, how he 
gets to the United States and the problems and the adventures that he goes through to get out to Utah to race this motorcycle. Just incredible difficulties through, um, you know, disbelief and uh, his age has a lot to do with it because he's very old when he gets to the United States. And um, uh, this, the whole concept of this movie is just absolutely flawless. Um, the motorcycle he buys when he's a young man and, and uh, how, you know, everybody's obsessed with getting younger all the time. Mm-hmm. Bert is absolutely obsessed with going faster. Regardless of the tools that he has, he will add to this bike and add to this bike, this Indian, and he just dreams of the endless, endless horizon of the Bonneville Salt Flats where they have speed weeks. And back in the roaring, roaring 1960s when they were challenging every day the speed record, the land speed record, this is where Bert found Mecca. And this movie will constantly um, say things like offerings to the God of speed. This is their mantra to this. Offering to the God of speed. And that is the God in this movie is speed. And then that little phrase actually comes from Bert himself on in his garage as engines would blow up and parts would fly off. (laughs) He would take them and put them on a shelf in his garage and painted on the shelf was offerings to the God of speed. Mostly pistons. It's just some really beautiful (laughs) stuff of him him making his own pistons. And, it is uh, beautiful. He melts the metal and pours it into the mold, gets it out, and files off the. Just absolutely astonishing. But a lot of the story to sort of add to sort of add to his, um, I don't know, to his character. A lot of the story is seen through the eyes of the little neighbor boy that lives next door, who just kind of comes to idolize Bert and. And the parents don't like the Bert. parents don't like that. Well, they, it's not they don't like. He's they just they're kind of afraid of him. I think because yeah. he's very eccentric. Yeah, I mean he tries to. In one of my favorite scenes, he tries to take care of his overgrown lawn, <laughs> pouring <laughs> gasoline on it, sets it on fire, and of course everyone has to get. They have to come and put it out. You know, he didn't think anything about it. It worked. You, you know? want the weeds gone? I'll, That's right. I'll gone them for you. Yeah. But um, one of the most interesting things about this film is the man who made it, Roger Donaldson, who's an Australian director, and actually has been out there quite a while. His first big break uh, as a director was a film back in the early 80s called Smash Palace. Uh, Made it quite big on the indie circuit um, and gave him the impetus to come to the States where he directed uh, Don't Look Back with Kevin Costner and Species, the odd kind of uh, alien alien movie with, uh, what's her name, Natasha... Henstridge, I believe Kinsky? it is. Kinsky? No, 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 not Kinsky. Natasha Henstridge, I believe is her name. Is that the one with Forrest the Whitaker. alien who's like completely covered? I mean, like strange. Well, she looks like a beautiful woman, but when, you know, basically her whole thing is she has sex with men and kills them, and that's how she makes. So same director. Yeah. Same director. Huh. Yeah. And this is such a tender, tender film. But, but this is sort of, this becomes kind of a circular thing for Roger Donaldson because one of his very first films, because he actually knew Burt Monroe, one of his first films was a documentary called Offerings to the God of Speed, which is a documentary about Burt Monroe. And it's usually on the disc, and we would highly encourage you not to look at that one first. Watch what do you mean, movie. like the behind-the-scenes ones? Well, you see the, the real guy, yeah. and then your comparison is already set for who he is, and it kind of um, it takes down the performance by Anthony Hopkins, who really levels you of what he's doing in this picture. It's just... Watch the movie first, and then then go back and see uh, what Roger Donaldson had done with the real character. Right, because one of the things I think about that's neat about Anthony Hopkins is that when he does an an historical character, he doesn't really try to look like that character or even you know Im- imitate their voice, but he captures their 
being nonetheless. Catches can, their likeness yeah, pretty darn good. I can think of, yeah. of Oliver, like Oliver Stone's Nixon film. Which I, I originally didn't want to see because like that's oh, Oliver Stone's his bag job on Nixon, but actually it's a really great portrait of Richard Nixon. And you're like Anthony Hopkins playing Richard Nixon. I mean, you know Dan Hedaya played Richard Nixon in the movie Dick, and he's perfect. He's the but he's sort of the the comic image of Richard Nixon as we all sort of perceive him. And and Hopkins though he doesn't look anything like Richard Nixon by the end of the movie he is. He's got the characteristics. He's got the voice. The, this the, the movie, way the way not not the voice. In actuality, but just how Nixon spoke, and after a while, it's like. He's and in Nixon. this movie, he captures this man's spirit, mm-hmm. and and his will to go faster, and his will to do an improbable and an impossible thing at this time was to race this 1920s vintage Indian uh, motorcycle to the brink of a speed record, which he does, and this is an actual fact, and he still kept setting records. Until he was like, I think at least seventy five. Yeah, he years made old. nine trips eventually to the uh-huh. Bonneville Salt Flats, and to this day, at least according to the film, as it would, when the film was made, his record for a modified one thousand cc motorcycle is still unbroken, and this is thirty some years, almost forty years later. The, there, you talk about the essence of the character. You definitely get the the, the feeling about him that. All things in life that are not related to the racing of this motorcycle are somehow just distractions, and he has sort of like an absent-minded approach to any and everything that is not about that motorcycle and about speed. And it's kind of beautiful. You get that right. real he's, early on. He's so plugged into this, this cycle and doing this, and that's what drives him. That's what's keeping him alive. Insurmountable odds like a heart condition. Heart condition. Um, just or insurmountable odds. They tell him he's too old. Insurmountable odds. That motorcycle's too dangerous. Just... Right. One insurmountable situation right after another, and he overcomes it with this incredible spirit that just punches on through. Right, um, and, and, and it's you, amazing. you're addicted to this guy halfway through the picture. Oh, yeah, and he's, just, he's a lovable old coot, you know, and <laughs> um, and people like him. He ingratiates himself to people along the way just because I think some people just think he's so lost <laughs> when he gets to the States, you know. He kind of is driving on the wrong side of the road, (laughs) and uh, but but he's always befriending people along the way, and they always end up adding one more thing to his trip to make. Don't we have something where he's befriending? Yeah, one of the first places. uh, Nikki, could you reach that projector over here? um, Uh, Yeah, let me see if I can get to it. Uh, Yeah, beside Uh, beside your bowling trophy. There we go. There we go. Let's hear this little piece. So, my girl, uh, where's the best place for me to get a used car? The valley. Oh yeah. After breakfast, I can take you there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Oh. Well, I thought there was something a little odd about you, but uh, yeah, you're still a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Tina, one of the many characters who actually... Uh, uh, she he is a, uh, a clerk in the in the motel that he stays in when he first comes to uh, to the states and and um, and she helps him find the get the car. To, to they're they're all affected that. by his his incredible spirit to do this thing. They're, everybody that he comes in contact, they're kind of against him at first, but pretty soon they start. Well, you know, why shouldn't we do this? Um, yeah, like when he gets to the you know the salt flats. I mean, they have these very strict rules on entering the thing and, and this sending in, the in your sixties. Yeah, now. sending in your forms and everything. And he hasn't done any of this. He didn't, for whatever reason, didn't check it up 
or didn't realize that you needed to do all these entry stuff, and he doesn't have any of these entries. Well, it's before the internet. This How is like 19. Right. He's, 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 he's at the Salt Zealand. Flats. Yeah. This is like circa 1962, 63, and they show all the great machines of that time: Mickey Thompson's Challenger, the Redhead, and all these extraordinary machines that were pushing the speed limit barrier back then. Yeah. Back then, it's very. The contrast in this movie is so significant, and we'll get into this in a few weeks or you know, soon when we do the right stuff, but there's an extraordinary amount of energy going after something that's out there and doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And For instance, nowadays you're saddled with race cars like in NASCAR. They have the Car of Tomorrow, which is a ubiquitous, very clumsy automobile that does one thing very slow, and that's it races. It's just very, very – they're all identical. And then you have the Indy cars, which no longer go for – High speeds, they're all identical. But here, you go back, and they depict this era of speed so beautifully. You see these incredible machines going right. after unlimited speed. There's the, the god of speed is what well, we're after. And it's not only the, the machines. The machines are very individual. They're not, like you were saying, like now all the, the you know, they have, what, three three different body styles or something well, NASCAR like NASCAR only yeah. has one yeah, car, one, one and car. it's safe, 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 safe. Those guys, the last thing they were interested in, and they show it in this movie, was safety. They were after one thing, and that's the god of speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you, you know, even when the big, the big race comes or his big trial comes, and it's just, again, just amazingly filmed and it's very 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 um, nicely done uh, almost visceral at times so um well we're talking about world's fastest indian the 2005 film starring anthony hopkins and uh basically kind of a a a little bit of a creative license with an actual story definitely not a documentary but a a beautiful sort of uh and they do a lot of of this as as with most film biographies they do a lot of character combining and time compression because you know i'm sure this is you know elements from different parts of his Time trials, you know, they couldn't do the whole thing. Yeah, so they kind of spir- take the best elements out of his story. Ten to fifteen years, maybe. Yeah, right? it was um, a long, it was a long time for him to get this accomplished. And they they see his bike is just kind of put together with baling wire and twine, and they oh, it's not safe, it's not safe. But then they realize when he goes out there that he really does know what he's doing, mm-hmm. and regardless of what their perception of what his deal is. This guy was on the other side of the world dreaming about coming to the speed mecca known as Bonneville the world's fastest, the fastest place on the face of the because earth. Because it's so flat, and right? people don't it's know. Salt that it's salt flat. It's a long salt flat, and it's like how many miles long? I think it's, it's, a, I don't know, a two-mile run or something. Like then that, they have yeah. to return for their record. And, you know, the most amazing feats, when they step out of there, they, they, they treat it with, like, uh, the respect of Huffman Prairie here in mm-hmm. Dayton, Ohio. They'll say, and this is where Sir Malcolm Campbell and his bluebird and the yeah. – and, you know, this was yet before Art Arfons and the turbine monsters that they brought out there, those jet engine cars that went 600 miles an hour. Um, and here he was with this rickety <laughs> the old 1925. I mean, it's like a fairy tale, but it's true. Yeah. It's not too far. Like George said, the facts are a little stretched because they got to get this into a movie. Um, you know, because he set his records. You want to be really exact about that. I'm sure you can look it up and, and you can watch the documentary. But they do that so they could tell a little cleaner story here. Um, and it's not like Patton, where a lot of that stuff wasn't even true in Patton, but it brought a huge awareness to the character. The, the, a lot of this stuff is pretty close to the truth on this, and it's absolutely inspiring when you see it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the shooting of this movie and the technique, because it's just lovely. You thought the cinematography was good? I liked it. It was. It has sparkle, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it just has a brilliance that 
reserved for movies like The Right Stuff, Wizard of Oz. Don't you think, George? I mean, oh, yeah. It it's, just sparkles, you know? Well, and the other thing about it, I totally lost my train of thought. Excuse me. We're talking um, about the cinematography and how, how lovely, <laughs> how how well it's able to portray oh, I, these. Yeah, I Hold on. Get that vacuum cleaner. We're going to find his train of thought. <laughs> find comes. the vacuum oh, cleaner. George, have you got your train of thought? Oh, yes. okay. It's a good thing it's we got that on, vacuum cleaner. It's back on the rails. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Sometimes you need props. That curvy right, sweeper uh, boy just comes in handy yeah. when George loses his train of thought. That extra extra sucker attachment just helps. But I was thinking about not not so much of the photography in itself, but I guess I, I guess you call it production design. Because since this takes place in the '60s, this has always been my big thing about you know period films. You know, we don't think of a film in the '60s being a period film, but right. it definitely is because that period era is film, gone. Yeah. And those are so hard to make because you have so many people on this earth who very well remember what the 60s looked like. So if you're not true to that, they're going to go, oh, that, nah, nah, that doesn't work. That's mm. not right. That's not right. And in this film, I think they did a pretty darn well, I'll tell good you, job. You know, if you look at the old pictures in Hot Rod Magazine from the 60s when they were assaulting these speed records all through the 60s, which were very dramatic events, they look like that color photography from the 60s. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but uh, Kodachrome or something, but... If you look at those old photographs of these these incredibly creative speed machines that they were bringing out there with every kind of engine imaginable and the motorcycles, mm-hmm. it, it just has that relevance and that color and that feel and everything. And well, I'm with George. This thing looks like And I think like also you can thing. see that, that the sort of the Burt Monroe feeling kind of extends into this movie even farther in that I believe they actually got some of the – Actual high-speed motorcycles, didn't they, for some of those assault flight scenes? Looks like it. Yeah, well, the the machines they have, they're rolling out there. Those are the real machines. Yeah, they really are. I mean, so they able, you know, they got... It's the real sound, too. You know, so uh, Donaldson actually and his crew were able to go out and get these people. These machines, of course, are probably all in museums now or in private collections and and allow them to bring them back out to the salt flats. And they ran them. Yeah, and run them and and show them off, you know. So that's, you know, that's how, like I said, Bert just continues to... To reach out to when people. You're, when when he's on years. that motorcycle attacking that speed record, you're with him. Now, the he's passed shot. on, surely, by now, the, the actual character. Yes. Yeah. yeah quite, probably is... quite some time ago. So did he see this movie? No. No. Oh, he saw the, do- the documentary. Was, he you saw know, the documentary. That was like Roger, yeah. one of Roger Donaldson's first cinematic efforts. And it, you know, it's like full circle 20 or 30 years later in 1979. Wasn't that when he originally did that? He 79, did. 79, is that when it was? Oh, gosh, it was even earlier than that, I think. Maybe 71, 72? Uh, 71, I think, is when he did uh, World's Passes, or the original one, excuse me. Yeah. And the music, it just accents. Honestly, when you get to one point in this movie, you're saying, he's not too old. He's he's fine. Stop picking on him. He's going to be able to drive that much. You lay off him. He's just <laughs> fine. He, he's going to have a heart attack. Nobody cares. Well, you know. If he wants to kill himself, that's his business, and that's what it's all about. You know, he's saying, "I'll kill myself if that's what it takes to get my goal," and that's kind of frowned upon. Dave, you're not allowed to kill yourself in racing nowadays. That's not allowed. <laughs> no, no. The only people who get hurt in racing nowadays are in the pits. That's the way it works nowadays. <laughs> right, or in the audience. Yeah, in the audience. Yeah, yeah. They're they're much too safety conscious now. You well, know? and the other neat thing about this film is that aside from from uh, Anthony Hopkins and a small supporting role by Diane Lane. There's really no other. No, it's not Diane. It's not Diane Lane. Lane. No, it is. It's not Diane. Well, other than other than and the one the one small role, there are really no uh, known people in this film. 
Maybe that's why it was somehow overlooked because it is so delightful. It's almost amazing to me that I didn't even hear anything about it. Maybe it's because of the strange title. I don't know. But by the way, the title refers to the the, the brand of the motorcycle, correct? Yeah. Correct, yeah. In fact, I, when they bring this motorcycle, I mean, against everything is against him. They put it on the ship. It gets broken on the broken ship, ship. And then they bring it in. And they say, yeah, I read a magazine article about you. And they said, hey, you know, we want to see you break that record automatically. They want to pull for Burt, you know, because yeah. he's so cordial and so genuine. And uh, Anthony Hopkins does this to such a such a powerful performance that you're instantly inside this guy you know we're um, talking about the world's fastest indian indian is the uh the, the, the kind of motorcycle the 2005 film starring I, anthony Jordan, hopkins we just found i uh, stand corrected um diane lane is oh, no no no, no, no it, diane ladd diane ladd oh there you go okay diane i don't ladd. stand corrected. you very nearly how got do it. you not stand corrected <laughs> you, you sit uncorrected <laughs> you're listening to filmically perfect on 91.3 wyso and uh indeed perfect in every way let's talk about uh how well it stands up to the rules i think it absolutely creates the world not just creates it but sucks you in uh on a vortex yeah again I, I think the the look of it the feel of it the way the people talk uh the way they react to each other and even the scenes of new zealand which would not be that familiar to to us americans uh you know but uh you kind of get the sense of what what new zealand was like in the 60s as well you see this wonderful scene where these bike gangsters challenge him to a race and he stands up to him he goes you know i'll, I'll take on all you bikers and then he falls down. You know, he's clearly ahead of him. You see him pull ahead. And it's just, you know, you cry for the guy. And then when he's take, he's getting all his money together because he wagered all his money to get to come to the United States. When he finally uh, gets all his money together and it's been very hard and he's, he has no money, you know, he's very little money. And the bikers come over there and, like, escort him to the airport. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, Sweet. The, the bad, the bad boy bikers. You the know, bad boys. You know, Good luck, mate. You know, yeah. away they go, and then he comes into Hollywood. Of course, they depict Hollywood as it is in the '60s, uh, and that's a you know, like a scene we pulled from. And then yeah. he's going across the desert with his with his car, ancient pulling, car. Yeah, pulling a trailer with this land speed record bike. That's the way it was back then. So basically, you know? along the way, people just piled in and uh, American and Indians. Him. He has an affair with this uh, this woman who has lost her husband, and they. They go out to the grave, you know, of her, her ex-husband, and they, he almost gets bit by a rattlesnake. And, <laughs> and they say, well, imagine coming all this way to race your bike and you get bit by a rattlesnake seeing my God, my husband's grave. It's just <laughs> one little beautiful story right after another up to the big deal. And it never ends. There's no letdown in this picture. No. Absolutely creates it, sustains it, and that speaks to that. Mm-hmm. that uh, at You'll be able point. to watch this movie in 20 years and still be inspired the same way. Um Especially nowadays, you know, with uh, with age being only a number, <laughs> this, this right. movie really addresses that. In with a... ninety being the new thirty, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so hard to keep up. It's progressing so quickly. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. They're going to sell slide rollers with that on there, so you can figure it out. You know, <laughs> parametric pressure today. Okay, I'm thirty five. <laughs> so this is a nice sort of rallying uh, movie, a rallying point for 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 people that sort of discount, you know, dismiss out of hand the people as, as they age. There's certainly a vitality and a relevance that can be maintained to the end. And I think as, as we were saying, as you were getting to like rule number three, you know, it'll, it's a film that will last for a long time. And I think we'll probably just grow in, in people's hearts now that it's out and available 
and hopefully something that we our little show here may get people out to go out and see it. Please, you know, that, go that out just, and rent it, buy yeah. it, is get it off just, Netflix. Yeah, it's, you'll. I almost can guarantee, unless you're a real crab, oh, you'll enjoy this. Movie. It's a long one. It's a now, long movie. They still run at Bonneville to this day. It's not like Indianapolis and um, and NASCAR where they have like put the lid on everything. They still run speed records out there. And I'm sure that that guy has inspired many, many people, even before this movie, to go out and run their motorcycles at the Bonneville Salt Flats. The magic of that place is captured in this movie as a world unto its own, mm-hmm. uh, offering to the, the the gods of speed. So, as far as rule three and uh, and retaining its uh, entertainment value, I think that's true. The, and I think this could be, if you had the time to invest, one of those movies that you could watch over and over and over and never tire because of the richness of. Uh, of what's going on. There's several layers in almost every scene. And it's very honest. I mean, it's a very honest movie. The characters are very realistic. Honest Indian movie. And, it's, <laughs> and, and you know, and they're like the odd characters, like like the transvestite at the motel, is not, she's no, not she's made not fun of. She's not a cliche. No, she's it's very, a, and it's very obvious, and it's also very obvious and kind of charming that, that you know, not only does you think maybe Bert doesn't realize that she's a he, but once he finds out, it doesn't make any difference. He says you're, you're still, still a, a sweetheart. sweetheart. You know, <laughs> some of the outtakes in the movie are pretty hilarious too, where they um, he's lecturing her for not not changing his sex. They they put them all in the movie, and I'm sure the movie was too long. Yeah, you know, it would have slowed the picture down. Some of the things, but they're interesting to watch. Um, I wonder how long let, it took to film this. Don't movie. let it get in front of the movie when you're watching it. Yeah. Honestly, just that that movie is balanced and it's perfect. It's, uh, We've been talking about the world's fastest Indian, the 2005 film starring Anthony Hopkins. And also just note that the, the, the film guys are suggesting that you don't watch the documentary first, that it's certainly worth watching. But see the movie if you can first and see this. Uh, the uh... We dare you not to be affected by this. <laughs> we double dog dare you. That's right. So Man, and, and you, you put your tongue on that flagpole you can take it off That's right. i'd like to know how double you... dog dare you to put your tongue isn't that how that worked in that movie yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, i'd like to know just uh just out of my own curiosity how you guys heard about it it's because you just are so vigilant and watch and listen and you know about movies coming out is that how or did you just happen onto it, it? it's funny i heard, heard about it when it came out but it, it never came around to where i was it, it never was available to me and then uh, jt calls me um, a couple months ago and says, oh, I've seen this movie, World's Greatest Indian, la, 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 la. And, uh, and Flish was going out to Target. I said, get me a copy of this when you pick up the, uh, you know, the eggs and uh, donuts. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and amazingly, the Culpepper Target actually had a copy of this. So but you it's know, just now out on video it's, some it's three years later. playing a lot probably. of repertoire of theaters. Yeah. But what I did is I constantly heard about it. It was constantly word of mouth. I'd be out there in Hollywood working. They'd say, man, this is really a cool movie. And then I'd see it in repertoire theory. And then I was reading in an automotive magazine. They were talking about Mickey Thompson's Challengers from that era, which he was, you know, the land speed record cars. And they had a whole sidebar on the world's fastest Indian showing, you know, because that car is in the movie, the Challenger 1 or Challenger 2. And it says, you know, but don't take our word for it. Go see the movie. And by that time, I thought... How can everybody be saying this much about movie, this movie and I never heard about it in any awards or anything? And just as it's just, as you suspicion in those points, there's a good movie out there you got to find, you know? 
Indeed, it is a perfect movie. We've been talking about the world's fastest Indian on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Gentlemen, are we going to give a little tip of the hand to next week's show? No. <laughs> Just no, tune in. No, no. We're on the air every Friday at 1230 on 91.3 WYSO. You can get us at npr.org. We're on iTunes, or you can just go right straight to perfectmovie.net. If you'd like to write to the film guys, and I hope you will, it's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. J. Todd Anderson, thank you. I'll thank you very much. George Williman, see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.